0: Welcome to episode 13 of Wolverine Weekly. My name is Max, aka Wolverine Corner. Um, I'm hosting per usual. Uh, joining me today, we got a full house. Justin, you know him, at Meadow Wooten Peace on Twitter. We have Ryan back after missing the last two. Um, I think he missed the last two. Ryan at UM versus everyone. He's the non political guy that runs that account. And then for the first time, we have Stevie here, uh, runs Frankie Season on Twitter. Um, So, yeah, he's in the group chat with us. He wanted to hop on. So I said, why not? Um, We are going to do a little bit of a a Michigan-Wisconsin preview. We're going to talk about Diabate and Michigan basketball a little bit, um, answer a bunch of questions, do all that kind of stuff. But before we do anything, this is my, like, weekly plea to uh, subscribe to the pod on Apple or Spotify. If you're on Apple, leave us a review. Five stars, preferably. I checked our reviews. Somebody left us a one star review and said trash. Um so please don't do that. Um I, I don't that's not cool. Um even if our podcast is trash, which I don't think it is, come on. That's not cool. Um
1: Spotify or Apple. It was Apple.
0: Yeah. Why? I don't think you I actually don't know if you can even leave reviews on Spotify. Can you? Do you know? No. anybody? I don't think so I don't think so either because I looked for it and um, we get most of our views from Apple anyways um, because honestly if you're a broke boy using an Android we don't want you listening anyways Um, no I'm just kidding of course we want you listening but um, yeah so leave us a review if you can five stars leave us a comment if you want um, and then subscribe to us it really helps us out a ton and plus it lets us know how many people are listening and stuff like that so if you could do that I'd appreciate it. Um, Before we get into anything, I just want to say this is like my favorite week of the year. This is Masters Week. I'm not sure if you guys have any – or any of you guys are golf fans. But if anybody listening is a golf fan, they know how special Masters Week is. Um, It's the best week of the year for any golf fan. So I'm like extra joyous – or is joy – that's not a word. I'm extra joyful and um, giddy and giggly because I just – I'm always in my feels during Masters Week. So – um, yeah. How's everyone else doing? You guys all have good vibes. Justin, what's going on with you?
1: Uh, I am doing pretty well. Today I had to pe- I had to appear in front of a judge who was a fucking idiot, but otherwise.
0: Nice. Are you, are you supposed to be saying that on here? I don't know. Is there a is there a, like a unwritten lawyer rule about that?
1: I mean, there technically is, but like, you know, <laughs> If if this judge finds this podcast, that means I'm making enough money where it, it won't matter. So. <laughs> uh,
0: how's California?
1: Uh, ah, it's good. Uh, can't complain. Uh, I'm glad that I'm uh, experiencing my first November where I'm not freezing my ass off. So yes,
0: yes. <laughs> Wait. So are you living by yourself? I am. I am all by my lonely. Are you, so that means your freezer stocked up on Stouffer's, right? i I'm, I'm trying. I'm getting there. Nice. Ryan, how's everything going with you? Everything's going pretty well, to be Welcome honest. Welcome back, by the way. I think Thank the last you, two pods we recorded, Ryan was taking a nap during both of them, and he didn't answer his phone. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. And then, obviously, Napping
2: well... Napping is kind of a staple.
0: Yeah, I took a killer nap yesterday. It was the last day of my vacation, and uh, I took, like, a six-hour nap. I slept from, like, three to nine in the afternoon. It was amazing. Stevie, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited oh, to talk to you guys. God. We are. We could, I could not be any more excited to have you. Uh, we just got to get – my goal is to get, like, slowly get everybody from the group chat in here. So um, this knocks one off the list. All right, guys. Michigan, Wisconsin this weekend. Unfortunately, the game has not been canceled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we were all rooting for it, kind of. Um, listen, we're in a global pandemic. They're not thinking about the kids right now, and um, it's sad. That's all I'm gonna say. Is it's sad? You know, we should, we should That's put the kids' difficult. health first. Um, so yeah, Michigan, Wisconsin. Unfortunately, there's a game. Michigan has looked like shit. One and two, back-to-back losses against Michigan State and then to Indiana. We've only seen Wisconsin play one game. That's it. That's all they've played. They've have, what? Have they missed the last what is it? Two now with yeah, um. Well, I- covid related issues to say the least which by the way on that note um i hate the the just the cancellation of games i feel like they should be forfeits um because i feel like what you're doing is you're penalizing teams that are doing a better job with covid and you're almost rewarding teams that aren't and i think that's kind of weird i think part of this football season is staying healthy and not getting coronavirus and if your team fucks up with that, like, I feel like they should not be rewarded. So that's just my opinion. Uh, what do we know about Wisconsin? Justin, you want to start us off?
1: Uh, Yeah, so Wisconsin, they obviously, you know, they uh, don't have their top running back anymore. Jonathan Taylor, he was uh their leading rusher in school history, I believe. And they don't have uh, their top returning receiver, uh, Quintess Cephas. Um, they, they did, uh, kind of turn over a lot, but, uh, they're also, uh, you know, played really well against Illinois, who's, you know, not very good, but, you know, they look really good. Uh, they, you know, play really disciplined football. They, uh, Graham Mertz is, you know, super talented. Uh, he's going to throw a lot. Um, still, I do think, you know, this should be a game that Michigan is at least in uh, because of the COVID scare that happened in Wisconsin. They, uh, from what I understand, they had, I think like 10 uh, uh, players and 12 staff members or maybe 12 or maybe the other way around test positive, uh, including Graham Mertz. So, you know, it's likely that Graham Mertz will play, but you know, they're, they, you know, it's not like they've been able to practice uh, these past couple of weeks and they have, um, uh, other guys that test positive COVID that should be out. So, I mean, this honestly is a much easier game for Michigan than uh, it would appear from the outside.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Steve, what are you thinking about going into this game? Uh, anything you're looking at? Um, anything popping out to you?
3: Well, so, uh, like I believe Justin said, Wisconsin looked very, very good, but it, you have to keep in mind it was against Illinois. Um Mertz looked really good, but people are calling him like a Heisman contender. I don't see that just yet. I need to see it against Michigan. Hasn't been playing well, but they're better than Illinois, so I feel like they got to hold Graham Mertz in check because he did throw for five touchdowns. Uh, but when you think of Wisconsin, you think that they are going to run the ball down your throat. Michigan's run defense it hasn't been great, but it's been it's been the better part of their defense. So as long as they can focus on shutting down the run, then hopefully hopefully Vincent Gray comes back and he could like stop where they could stop grammar and the receivers from doing too much damage.
0: Yeah, actually Steve just echoed a lot of what I was going to say, to be honest with you. Um, I think the most important thing to note here is that first game, number one, it's the first game of the season. Number two, Illinois is trash. Um, Wisconsin, I think is a good football team. Okay. I don't think that it was a flute game. That's not what I'm saying, but we don't know how good Wisconsin is. Uh, Michigan's a lot better than Illinois. Whether they're playing like it or not, I can promise you they got a lot more talent. So it's going interesting to be interesting to see if, you know, think about what we thought about Michigan after one game this season. Like, we thought Michigan was like, holy shit, they're not going to lose a game until they play Ohio State. So a lot can change when you see a team, you know, on tape more than one time. So is Wisconsin for real? I have no idea. Um, I I also don't know what to expect out of them as far as style of play. When you think of Wisconsin, just like Steve said, you think about, um, you know, running it down your throat. And I just, Graham Mertz threw the ball 21 times um, in the first game, so that's not a lot. Uh, but but if they have a quarterback that they're confident in, you know, unleashing, I expect them to throw it a lot more against Michigan than that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. And I really don't know what to expect out of Wisconsin, because even though they look so good, it was only one game. And I still feel like they have a lot of question marks. Uh, Ryan, do you have anything else to add to to all that?
2: All I want to say is that if I don't see Andre Seldon on the field at all, I'm riding. That's all I'm saying.
0: Like, <laughs> you know what? We'll uh, we'll talk about a, a couple key things here in a minute, but man, does Michigan have a lot of question marks going into this game? Um, especially with Hutchinson
2: out, like. Yes. Yeah. That um, is. That is. I mean, I, I think that if you had to lose someone on the defense, I would say that defensive end is probably. One of the places we can make up for it. Not like we can. <laughs> not well, i like we say we can it. make up for it anyway. But like just, just it's it, it's a place where the talent drop off is like. Yes, we're losing a first round pick, which obviously is not saying that out loud. That sounds pretty bad. But like it's not like the person coming in is gonna be absolutely terrible because we know that our defensive ends are pretty decent to say the least Well,
0: not only that and I'll I'll take it a step further I'll kind of look at it from another direction um one of the things that I'm I'm you know interested in is yes we're losing Hutchinson but it's not like we've gotten any pressure on the quarterback (laughs) anyways the last two weeks um that's not a knock on Hutchinson that's not what I'm trying to say but I'm trying to say that we thought that that was going to be a really big strong suit going into the season and I'm not sure if it is for whatever reason um, I mean, I,
1: I, I, you know, our, our, our front seven has done like a fine job at getting pressure on the quarterback. The reason why it hasn't like materialized in a whole lot is because our secondary has been just so better covering that guys just immediately wide open. So like the pressure doesn't. matter. Yeah. It. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's a really yeah. good point. And that's yeah, Justin. That's why and we have you him on the for podcast for stuff like that. If I you look at like the I, continue ran. I'm sorry. Um, there was like a PFF stat somewhere
2: that pretty much said that Quiddy pay was like the first in, in like all of the big 10 in pressures or something like that with like 20 or something through like three games. Yeah. I think 20 Which is, is five, like, yeah, yeah, which is just like okay. absolutely incredible. Like that is amazing production out of him. And even though it's not necessarily translating into sacks, it's showing that our defensive line is doing what it has to do to, to try and pressure the quarterback. But like, the corners have to cover
0: better. Well, and, and that's and that's kind of, you know, I'm not trying to defend Don Brown here, but um, he really is in a tough spot with, with the bad corners right now. Um, he's banking on, you know, getting pressure, right, and, and hoping that the corners can hold up, but they're not holding up. So then when you play, you know, you kind of play off of them, or maybe you play his own and you don't blitz, then it's like the front seven is, you know, or the front is not getting any pressure, and then it's, you know, then, then the corners are, are being asked to defend for longer. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Um, It just shows you how important it is to have, you know, decent corners out there, and Michigan just hasn't been able to. So I don't know what to expect. Um, I think one of the, the big keys for me, and, and one of the things that scares me is, um, yes, you know, Graham Mertz got all the talk, um, from that first game that they played and rightfully so. I mean, he had one incompletion, he threw for five touchdowns, like pretty, pretty impressive, but we know their offensive line is good. Um, and they still ran the ball for, you know, quite a few yards. They, they ran the ball for, you know, I think like 180 yards in that first game. So not only are we going against a quarterback who seems like a very formidable option for Wisconsin, you know, it's not like we've done a great job at stopping the run this year um, either. Uh, that Michigan state game, we did okay, but Minnesota tore us up. Um, Indiana did an okay job. So I'm a little worried about Wisconsin kind of playing some old fashioned Wisconsin football and kind of running it down our throats a little bit. I'm I'm a little worried about that. And that's another thing that Aiden Hutchinson is really good at. He's a really good run-stopping defensive end, too. Um, so that's going to hurt Michigan there. So as far as Wisconsin goes, do you guys have anything else to add to that? Anybody else want to chime in for
1: anything? Uh, I mean, pretty much it's going to be really interesting because, you know, they haven't really been able to practice uh, the past couple of weeks, despite looking great the first week, and we look terrible. So it's going to be interesting. Yes.
3: So um, just wanted to bring this up, uh, but Graham Mertz, even though we've been talking about him a lot, he hasn't been officially cleared yet. I think he will. I think he will probably be cleared, but as friend, of right now, he has not. I don't know who the backup is, but I'm pretty. I sure. He, I heard he got COVID somewhere. Jack Cohn's hurt, which yep. means that um, the legend known as Danny Vandenboom, I think, is going to be probably be could could be starting quarterback for Wisconsin. And for I don't know much about him, but I actually. I think Rocky Lombardi could be better than him, which is foolish because I couldn't stop Rocky Lombardi.
0: Yeah. So I saw before we started recording, um, there was one Michigan account that had like 12 followers that said Graham Mertz was going to be out, and then I like Twitter searched it and Google searched it, and it was still kind of most people were pretty positive that he was going to play. So I, I have no idea. Okay. Um. I hope he plays because for two reasons. He's good, and I don't want to be like – I don't want to beat like a fourth-string quarterback. That's stupid. And number two, the Big Ten three-week thing is I, – i I'm not trying to talk about COVID or get political or anything here, but I think that was a little extreme. Um, They could have easily done two weeks. <laughs> I think that would have been made a lot of sense. I mean, shoot, the ACC – is it the ACC doing like ten days, um, or something like that? So, yeah, that's the rule. Yeah, so the three week thing is pretty goofy. Um, so I do feel bad for the for the players that do have to to miss time in the Big Ten. So, hopefully he's back. Um, and if he's not, <laughs> then I think Wisconsin's gonna have a hard time. I really do. If if they're asked to throw out a third or fourth stringer out there, you know. Imagine if Michigan had to throw out what, – what's 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 that one guy's name? Dan Villari or whatever? Dan Villari. Yeah, imagine oh, yeah, if Michigan had to throw that. out Dan Villari, right? Like that would be a tough scene. So, you know, you hopefully, hopefully Graham Mertz plays. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I'm just going to kind of move on. Not really. We're going to kind of stay on the same subject here. But if you guys would say one key to the game. For Michigan to win the football game. What would be your one key? Justin, go ahead.
1: Uh contain their pass game.
0: Fair enough. Ryan?
2: Um, I'm just gonna have to pretty much go with the same thing. So I'm just gonna say that the corners have to like play with better technique than they have been. Um yeah,
0: I I Steve, go ahead.
3: Um I I think that they need to let Joe Milton be more independent. I don't know why, but I feel like there's still a little bit of Jim Harbaugh influencing what Josh Gaddis is calling and it's not working. And if I feel like Josh Gaddis, from what I've heard, he would let Joe Milton air it out. And if Joe Milton's able to do that, if he can be even partially consistent, maybe they can start to get things going, get some momentum and keep it throughout the game.
0: Yep, I totally agree. Um, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to say two because I made the rules here, so I'm going to say two. Um, first one would be figure out the, run, the running game, figure out the, the, the running back rotation. Um, I, we're getting ready to play the fourth game, and I still don't know what the hell's going on with the running backs. Um, if I see another game where Haskins and Charbonnet and Coram – all have four carries and Milton has, you know, five, six carries, I might lose my mind. Um so that'd be my first game my first key. Figure out the running back situation. Second key, um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say stopping the run. Um I think I think Graham Mertz is going to get his regardless. Um judging by what we've seen the three quarterbacks that we've well, I mean Tanner Morgan didn't have a great game but he didn't have a bad game judging what we've seen from the last two two games that michigan's played it's a safe bet that graham murz is going to have a decent game so we can't you know compound that with with uh you know their running backs running all over us too so i'd say stop the run game would be mine um anything else since i cheated and added two do you guys want to throw in another one or no i'm good good uh yeah
2: yeah actually i
0: do okay
2: play andre selden (laughs) <laughs> um uh, like honestly because michigan hasn't really as as some people may have heard michigan hasn't really had their defensive backs coach i believe so and it seems like from the way that vincent gray has been showing a lack in technique sometimes are you referring think, to bob Shoup
0: yeah what is his what is his official title Dude, I don't know. Justin, you'll know. Safety Isn't he like the safeties coach? Yeah. So then, is Zordich? Is he? Does he work with the corners then? Yes. I'm guessing that like he's been splitting time then, right? Yeah, I would. I would assume so.
2: So if they like actually had like a corners coach, only coach
0: the corners, because obviously. That hasn't I, been happening. I just feel like with Zordich it, – the whole thing is so weird this year because as Michigan fans, we're trying to, we're trying to make sense of – and we're trying to pass blame on somebody. And I almost feel like – and I, I hate to say this because it sounds so disrespectful and I'm not trying to put anyone down, but it just feels like we don't have any talent at that position. And I, 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 I wouldn't, couldn't be wrong. I, 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 I would really, say that
2: because <laughs> – if you if you've seen if you've like seen the tape, Green, uh, well I can't really speak for Gray. Gray's just had like some mental lapses that just are weird, I guess. I mean like Gray in coverage, he's been pretty bad. I think that we can agree on that. Green has had like these moments where he looks like he could be serviceable.
0: But he's given up. He's given up a lot, too, man. Here's here's my yeah, point. Yeah, I,
2: the I fact that. I is, that. Is, but I think I think that's because that there's like a lack of a full time coach right now. I, I like, don't know.
0: The, the fact is, I, I think I saw somebody tweet this. Um, I wish I know who tweeted it so I could give them proper credit. But it was during the Indiana game and it was something along the lines of Indiana recruits a bunch of corners and then moves the necessary pieces of safety and Michigan recruits a bunch of safeties and moves them to corner. And I now while that's not entirely true, it is a little bit true because Vincent Gray he can't run. Like I'm not try, Vincent Gray runs like a four like a high four five. Like Jamon Green also does is not fast. And it's tough when you're trying to run this bump and run coverage and your corners can't run. Like it's tough. So, honestly,
2: honestly, I kind of agree with that, only because if you look at just like a case study of, I believe, the 2021 class. Um, Which class is Jaden McBurrows in, 2020 or 2021? He's 2021. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's the only corner in that class, correct? That, that is correct. And there's like two or three safeties in that class? Like I don't, I'd have to look. I think only one. I don't know how many safeties there are in that class, well, but didn't um, we
0: have like two or three safeties in last year in the 2020 class? Yeah, yeah. in,
2: the, in the 20, yeah we had Macari Page, R.J. Moton, and Jordan Morant,
1: and, and William Mohan,
0: and William Mohan. So how many corners did we have in that class, then?
1: We, we had Bryce Selden. Gary, Alden, so two. Uh, there's
0: yeah. one safety committed.
2: We just recruit way more safeties than we do. It,
0: it makes no sense to me, though.
2: It, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, so, every single year, it seems like we're stacked at, at safety, or at least, like, have it, a bunch I'm of not, good talent at safety. And in years past, we have had very good cornerbacks, as you know, David Long.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Jordan you Lewis know, and Levert yeah. Hill. And I Look, I, I just – I, I, part, part of me wants to say – we were just spoiled for so long and now we're struggling. But the part of me, another part of me wants to say like, this is, this is what happens. Like, I don't know. It, I don't know if it's a product of recruiting a strategy or a product. I, I'm not sure what it is, but um, they got to get it figured out. And they got to get it figured out quick. So um, that's it. Uh, do you guys want to, I don't, I don't think we need to talk any anymore about this game. Um, it'll be really interesting. I think we're going to know a lot more about both teams on Sunday. I really do. Um, we'll find out how for real Wisconsin is. And then we're going to find out if Michigan has any fight, um, in them for the rest of the season. You know, if they can beat a good Wisconsin team, you know, move to two and two, maybe they can, you know, turn out a serviceable season, but, but if, if Michigan moves to one and three, Oh man, I there are some bad vibes in the fan base right now. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get really ugly if Michigan moves to 1 and 3. I really believe that. So, we're going to move to basketball. That's what we're going to do. I know this is kind of a Wisconsin preview pod, but there's some other stuff too um on the on the basketball front that I think we really need to talk about. Obviously, we need to start off with the fact that we just, you know, not only did two five stars just commit to us in the last two weeks, they both signed their their letter of intent as well. So they're both officially a member of the 2021 class, Caleb Houston and then Moussa Diabate, which still don't know how to say his name. I'm going to go with Diabate. Aunt Wright said it a little bit different. I think that's correct. Aunt Wright said it really goofy. He said like, I don't know, Giabate or something like that. That just sounds like a goofy French way to say it. Um so we're going to say Diabate. It came out of nowhere. I mean, literally out of nowhere at like noon on a Monday. (laughs) Like I, I, it just it was it was really random. Um, Michigan really needed a big man in this class, right? Were they gonna get, you know, Afton Reed or or um, uh, Bettyako or you know Chet Holmgren or uh, Diabate seemed like the fourth option, and then just out of nowhere, he decided to commit to Michigan over Kentucky. Um, huge recruiting win for Juwan. This guy's ranked seventh in the country in ESPN. He's 24 seven composite top. Tw- I think he's 20th in the composite. Super, super, super talented kid and gave Michigan the big man that they desperately needed in this class. So, um, I'll start with Steve and then we'll just kind of go around the horn here. We'll go to Ryan and then Justin after that. Um, just give me your thoughts on Diabate or just as the class as a whole, whatever you want to touch on as far as Michigan basketball recruiting, feel free. Steve, go ahead and start. Uh, well, I, I feel like now, yeah, now that they got their big man, they have
3: like a well rounded class. They have like people that can do every part of the game. I'm looking at, um, scouting report right now and they call, they're saying that he's like, like, you know, like a dog, like he's very competitive and that's, I feel like we need that in this class. I mean, we kind of seen it with football that if even if there's talent, sometimes teams just give up. But it, from what I've seen from people in this class, like with Frankie Collins and with him, maybe with Caleb Houston, I would have to look more into that. But they just love the game and they love to win, and that's a good mentality that they're going to be bringing to Michigan basketball next year.
0: Yeah, I think it's funny that you mentioned Frankie Collins because I kind of get the the same vibes when you watch Diabate or Collins play. They're both so physical and they both play with such a high motor. Um, Diabate is a unique prospect. He's kind of like, you know, he's going to be a rim protector, like a true rim protector that we haven't seen at Michigan in a long time. Um, Hunter Dickinson, seven feet tall, but he's not, he's not going to jump, you know, through, through the, you know, he's not going to show crazy athleticism or crazy hops. He's not going to be a dynamic rim protector, um, and that's Diabate, one of his strengths. And I feel like Jawan really, really needed that in this class. And even though I think they could still add a big man in this class, I'm not sure if they will. They they could. Um, I think Juwan really prioritized getting a, a defensive rim protecting big, and that's what he got. So uh super good pickup. Ryan, uh have you watched him a lot, you know, at all? What what are your thoughts on Diabate? I actually haven't really watched him too much, but
2: I can say that a commitment on a Monday coming after just as you are walking out of college writing is a pretty good feeling. Like, it's not, it's (laughs) not really, you're going from like, oh, yeah, I have to write to like, oh, my God, we got to commit. And so it's, it's we got a five star. Let's go. It's pretty, it's a pretty good feeling. But I completely agree with everything that Max said. Like, he's like, from what I have seen, he is a very physical player, and I think that Ant Wright he described him as like a Jaron Jackson Jr. type of player, except for yeah, that was like calm. Yeah, except for like bigger and like probably stronger at this point. So honestly, to see that type of talent come to Michigan, to be able to have a rim protector that can also go out and like do like a pick and pop type of thing when you want. And be able to roll to the basket and just play like, kind of like a tradition, kind of like what we wanted John Teske
0: to be. Well, oh, I'll I'll kind of interject there a little bit. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I, I totally it's what we what wanted him to be, but like sure. that he wasn't. Here, I've watched a lot of tape on Diabate. Um, I loved Ant Wright's breakdown of him. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch. He obviously Ant Wright knows the game of basketball and he does a really good job at those breakdowns. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, go search for that video. If you search Musa Diabaté, I think it's like the first video. Um Diabaté's unique because he's very athletic and he's very gifted physically. Um he's got a college ready body. Um I wouldn't consider him a super slim uh prospect. He he's he's already got some muscle on him. He's already filling out. He, he's like I said, college ready body. Um he's very raw. Offensively, that's if, if you're expecting Diabate to come in and average 17 a game, that's not going to happen. I'm telling you right now, that's just not going to happen. Same thing happened with Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, he came in, and he was about a 10-point-per-game score, but he really was an important piece for that Michigan State team. Great defensively. Great rebounder. Um, I think that's exactly what Diabate is going to be. His offensive game is – you're not going to throw him the ball in the post. He's not a back-to-the-basket type scorer. He does have a couple moves that he uses, and and it will develop and it will get better. But like Ryan said, pick and pop. Um, He's got a smooth jump shot. I think he's probably more comfortable offensively from the elbow out right now than he is from the elbow in. Um, So uh, he's got a lot to develop, but – I, again i I don't think that's why Juwan, you know I don't think he was looking for an offensive big I think he was looking for a rim protector, and I think he got it uh justin anything to add
1: uh no, I think he hit all the bases i mean yeah uh i you know i think he's a one year player uh but you know super physically gifted uh super athletic but you know raw, but you know is gonna. You know, be a big time contributor you know not like a big time scoring you but on the defensive end he's gonna be great
0: yeah and I think um I agree I think he's a one and done and this is I think what we're going to experience from a lot of Michigan fans is we're going to say oh my god you know Diabate averaged 10 points per game and seven rebounds per game how's he a one and done you know he should say he needs more development like that's just the player that he's going to be. Look at what Jaron Jackson Jr. is doing to the NBA now. Like, he's really good. Um, he's really developed his scoring. And I think Diabate is going to kind of gonna do the same thing. So I just want <laughs> Michigan fans are going to have to get used to one and duns. Um, I think we're going to have one or two every single year. And Juwan has already showed that he's going to put two, three, four year players around those one and duns, which is going to help you know, make the program consistent, which is super important as well. But we're going to have to get used to these one and dones. Uh, Caleb Houston could very well be a one and done. I think he's a two-year player as of right now, but it would not – he's he's, ten, he's six foot eight, and he's one of the best shooters I've ever seen. So, like, he could easily be a one and done. So, I just – hopefully Michigan fans don't turn into uh, – I think it took Kentucky fans a while to, like, get used to how many one-and-dones they have. And now I feel like Kentucky fans are, like, totally cool with it. Like, oh, yeah, he's going to leave. We'll just reload. Michigan fans are going to have to get that mindset or it's going to get ugly because uh, we're going to be losing a lot of these guys. So the class as a whole, um, so good. Kobe Bufkin's about to get a ratings um, bump. I think Frankie Collins is going to get a ratings bump. As good as this class looks right now, um, I think it's going to look even better by the time they're actually in – or, by you know, by the time next summer hits and, and they've already – you know, the class is wrapped up and all the final rankings are done. Um, it wouldn't shock I, – I read today that they're expecting Kobe Bufkin's uh, ranking to just, you know, fly up, and he's already 60th composite right now. So, you know, he'll he might find himself in the top 50, and then you're looking at a class with, like, Frankie might find himself in the top 50. Then you're looking at a class with four top 50 guys. That's just talent that we haven't seen in a very long time coming to Ann Arbor. So, yeah, I think everyone has the right to be super excited, and they should be. So I'm going to kind of transition that into a- another Michigan basketball recruiting topic, which is pretty simply put, do you think Michigan's going to add anyone else in this class, or do you think the six-man class is done as it is? Uh, Steve, go ahead and start.
3: Um, well, I mean, I think that, like, they were were in on a bunch of big men to get one final piece of the class. I don't see, like, Efton Reed or Bediaco wanting to become the second big man in this class, so I think they're probably done for now unless they were to get a transfer later. Yeah. I think they're done with high schoolers.
0: Got you. Uh, Ryan, do you agree? I
2: agree, but I would just like to point out that on 24-7, Ryan just said, that um, Chet Holmgren is now listed as warm for Michigan. And Did Zaga, you say Ant Wright
0: pointed that out? Yes.
2: Dude, Dude he's been, been listed. Been like that
0: for a couple of months. I was just about to say that. He's been listed that way for a while. I'm not sure if Ant Wright just caught that, but he's been listed as one of the top three warm schools I know for at least, at least a month. So I noticed that quite a long time ago. Uh, well, in that case, still, still. No, I agree. With, I think
2: that if, If you had the chance to get someone like a Chet Holmgren, if it means losing out in a transfer next year, I don't care. I'm going to take Holmgren. Like, this is literally a guy that you can play any position and he's seven foot. Like, sure, you're not going to play him at shooting guard because why would you? But he can't. He has the skills to. He has the skills to play literally any position. So, if you have room for him, which we do, and he is open to being a second big man next to Diabate, there's zero reason you shouldn't take him.
0: Zero. Justin, would you, uh, you think we're going to add another piece or no?
1: Um, I think the only way we add another freshman is if it's Holmgren.
0: I'm... I'm so mixed on this. I, I I don't know what to say because six-man classes are already big. The thought of a seventh-man class or seven-man classes is, is crazy to me. Um I think if you would have asked me this question a month ago, I would have said no, absolutely not. Six-man tops. Now that we have six and it's only November, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um I agree with Justin, though. If and I believe Steve said the same thing, and Brian I think said the same thing. Um, the only way they're going to add another piece is if it's somebody really special, you know, Chad Holmgren, or maybe even someone like what's Frankie Collins' teammate out there, Hardy. No. Not that that's awesome. I, I, think go I, I think the only other. No, I'm not saying that that's I think he's going to go pro.
2: I think the only other option would be Patrick Holmgren.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, but like Ryan just said, someone like if if you're talking about someone like Jaden Hardy or Patrick Baldwin or Chet Holmgren, like then I feel like it's gonna happen. And I also I also want on record too, like I don't think Michigan's out of it for Efton Reed. I really don't, and and I, I want to explain why. I. I think Diabate is going to be a four. I think he's going to be play mostly power forward. He can absolutely play the five. That's not what I'm saying. But so then, would you say that?
2: Um, would you say that Houston might slide over to the three and just be an oversized three?
1: Yeah,
0: Houston's look. He's listed as a power forward. I think Houston right now will start in Franz Wagner's place next year because we I have so that. much. We have so much depth at power forward. Think about who we're going to have. Brandon Johns. Back for a senior year, we're going to have Diabate and we're going to have Terrence Williams. Like, there's a lot of depth right there at that four spot. So I think you're going to see Caleb Houston play the three, which he's way more than – he can play either wing spot. Um, I think Afton Reed, the only reason why I'm saying don't count him out is because if Diabate does play mostly four next year, you're still lacking center depth. Um, The only thing that would keep – him from wanting to come here would be backing up Hunter Dickinson. Um, and and that's a good reason to not come here, to be honest with you. But I don't think Jawan is, is going to give up on Efton Reed. But I you think- see,
2: the thing is, is that, yes, w- would he not want to back up Hunter Reed? Uh, or Hunter Reed. Would he not <laughs> want to back up Dickinson? Yes, he p- probably would not want to back up anyone. But the thing is, I don't see Efton Reed as a one-of-the-gun talent. That's just me.
0: No, I I totally agree. I, I don't, don't think, think he is. I, I think he's a two- or three-year player 100%. So, honestly,
2: honestly, backing up someone of Hunter Dickinson's caliber might not be the worst thing for him.
0: And, Especially and, if
2: that means if Diabate goes pro after one year, you can move him over to the four.
0: Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. I think Efton Reed is somebody who is going to be a multi-year player which is why I think Juwan is still going to go after him pretty hard because, like, we need depth. We really need center depth. And unless we're bringing back Austin Davis for a 6 year, which, by the way, is completely possible with the whole COVID rules, um, I still think they're going to want two traditional centers on the roster. And without a, a recruit or a transfer, you're not going to have that. So I would say don't count out, you know, that seventh spot. It could totally happen. Um, we're already getting deep in this podcast. You guys want to fly through mailbag questions and then wrap it up?
3: Uh, yeah. Can I say one thing first about Efton Reed? Yeah, Just absolutely. Very quickly.
0: Yeah.
3: All right. So I was listening to the Michigan Recruiting Insider podcast a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I believe Brian Snow was on it. And he said that in Efton Reed's world, he's going to go pro, mm-hmm. even though, but then he said that he may not get the feedback that he wants. But if he does, mm-hmm. then going pro would probably be like his perfect world option.
0: Okay, I my yeah my only response to that is maybe I've been completely misinformed about Afcon Reed this whole time. He's I didn't even know if that was an option. Um, that's crazy. I've not heard that. Yeah, I didn't hear that before. Either, yeah, but, um, but you guys should know. Yeah, no, that's I no that. Thanks for bringing that up because I haven't heard that, and that's really interesting because me personally, the tape that I've watched him, the stuff that I've I've read on him. I saw him as a two-year guy in college minimum, and if he's if he has pro aspirations, then wow, like I didn't see that coming. So good for him if that's the case. I mean, he's talented. He's really talented. He's uh, he's just I, I I just didn't think he was there yet. That's crazy. Um, all right, let's move on. Bunch of mailbag questions here. We're gonna fly through them. We're just gonna one by one. We're gonna go me, Justin. You know what? Whoever wants to talk, I'll just guide the way. This one's from Ryan Krauss. Justin, should Trey Burke's jersey be in the rafters?
1: Absolutely. There's Ryan. no question. National Para- player of the year, like, no question.
0: Yeah, Ryan, agreed. Ryan is muted right yeah, now. Yeah, everybody. Agree. <laughs> Sorry. Nope, you're all good. Steve, agree? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I uh, – there's a bunch of old people on Twitter that claim that you have to be a four-year player, blah, 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 blah. No. his Of course his jersey should be retired. I think um, that
2: Burke is like one of the not, – not the maybe like a top 15, top 20 player in Michigan history, maybe top 10.
0: But yeah, his – I'd say t- top 10. To me, it's more just like what he was a part of. Like yeah. that – not only did he win national player of the year, like we know that, but – And I know there was a lot of guys responsible for bringing the program back under B-line, guys like Novak and Morgan and Douglas and Darius Morris and even going back to Manny Harris and Deshaun Sims. Um, Justin, I think me and you are the only guys that remember (laughs) remember them on here. (laughs) Um, But uh, what Trey Burke did, he single-handedly elevated that program to Final Four level, and Michigan has sustained it since. So, yeah, of of course I believe he should – or his jersey should be in the Raptors. um this is an interesting interesting question this is from jimmy whitner uh steve we'll start off with you who will have the best career at michigan out of the six-man freshman class in 2021
3: well i gotta say frankie collins don't i, I feel like i'm obligated to say that <laughs>
0: yes but, Fr- frankie season is thing, obligated to say like, that i think that i
3: think that I personally think that um Kale I think that Cale Peterson will be the best player, and I think Freddie Collins will be the second. However, well, I, think, I think Frankie I think Frankie Collins is probably a probably a three year player.
0: Yeah, this is maybe. kind of an interesting so question I think because that he'll I maybe well I mean out
3: of the six, I think he'll play. He'll have the combination of the best and the longest played, so I would go with him.
0: Gotcha. Yep, and that's that's kind of the the tricky part about this question is. You know, who's going to be your longest slash be the best? It's kind of a tough balance. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? So I don't necessarily
2: disagree with Stevie's statement, but I do disagree. So I'm just going to go ahead and say (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say that the most underrated player in the 2021 class, a.k.a. Kobe the Goat Buffkin, is going to have the best career at Michigan. Nice. And I don't say this because, like, like, of course, I think that Houston and Diabate are going to be the best ones there their freshman year. Like, like they're ranked that high for a reason. Yeah, they're they're really polished. They're at least in some parts of their games. These guys are really good and they're going to make an impact their freshman year. Buffkin may not be someone that. <laughs> a three to four year player.
0: All right, I'm gonna Ryan. You cut out for a solid five seconds there, but I think we got what you were saying. So yeah, okay, that was the Basically, Buffkin is gonna <laughs> be really good. Um, Justin, what do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm in the Buffkin camp. Ryan covered everything. Uh, I think he's. Uh, I mean, I think he's the best player that is most likely to be um, a uh, three or four year player. So I'm I'm, I'm on Buffkin trade. I'm
0: gonna. Well, I don't I'm know gonna I'm going to tie the vote here. I'm, I'm going to go with right, Team Frankie. Go. Um, I think he's special, guys. <laughs> I really do. I think he's yes, he's going to be, not only is he going to be a multi-year player, I just, I'm so excited for him, man. We, this is not a knock on Xavier Simpson, but like the athleticism oh. difference between the two of those players is so crazy. Oh um, it, oh. If, if Frankie develops a consistent three-point shot, it's over. I think he can be an. I, this is gonna sound crazy. I think he can be an All-American if he develops a consistent three-point shot by the time he leaves Ann Arbor. So
3: I don't. I don't know if you guys are watching this game today, but it, there was some really, really, really great, promising stuff in there.
0: As far as Frankie.
3: Frankie played amazing. Nice. And he had a bunch of. He's he's no, it, yeah.
2: He sounds like Rye guy right now. There is some really Shut promising up. stuff right there. <laughs> Don't ever compare <laughs> Steve.
4: Don't ever <laughs>
0: compare Steve. <laughs> and Rye Cut that guy. out. Cut that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right. Um, this question. This is this is interesting. It's from BG Wolverines. He goes, "Can you please comment on the fact that Charbonnet has ten carries and Ibrahim from Minnesota has ten touchdowns? #Hashtag Running Back Lives Matter." <laughs> Just pathetic. <laughs> i'll uh, i'll i'll let you answer that and honestly if you just want to answer the question about the running back room and what, what what do you think it should look like compared to what it does look like now
1: yeah i mean i think for uh for running backs um you know you gotta have like you gotta lean on two yeah you should have two guys getting 90 percent of the carries um and uh yeah i mean like that that's what it should be like it seems like corman have been the two best guys uh lean on those guys and then maybe sprinkle in some charbonnet and some uh and uh and evans a little bit but i mean yeah again like i said running back lives matter uh minnesota's production out of ebree maybe that i suck and pj flex sucks but i mean like yeah did you guys
2: see those comments made by Charbonnet's dad? Yes, I think yes, it was. Hilarious. Yes, like yes, of course, of course, you're gonna want your son to do really well. But the thing is, is that when there's three other running backs there, you're gonna have to realize that he's not gonna get all the carries. Like, yeah, is he is he gonna have more is he gonna have more yards with more carries? Yes, he is. That's like not rocket science. But when you're competing with three other people to get carries, you're not gonna get
0: all the carries. Yeah. It's not like last which, year. Which is interesting because uh, I mean I I think there's probably that was clear frustration out of a parent. And to me that tells that there's probably um frustration, you know, from the from Charbonnet as well, because I doubt it's just from, you know, the parent. So I am absolutely fascinated to see how the running back rotation uh, shakes out for the rest of the year. All right, more questions, more questions, more questions. This, this one is um, from KGB. This is – or I'm sorry, KJB. I <laughs> KGB. That's kind of funny. Uh, what do we lose to Wisconsin by? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with we're, we're going to lose by 10. I think we're going to – I'm going to say we're going to take the L by 10. I'm sorry, Any, oh actually first the anyone anyone predicting a Michigan win here? Actually, that's the question I want to ask. Uh, no. no. Steve
2: He left for some
0: reason. Oh Steve. Interesting. Well he uh just Oh there he is. To... Oh Steve, you're back. Oh. And with video on as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know
3: why a video, It's not nothing something's not working.
0: Anyways, <laughs> Steve, are you predicting a <laughs> Michigan win over Wisconsin? No. Okay. okay, so that makes four no's. So, four no's. Um, what else do we have here? Um, yeah, that question. This is the who, oh, what's up, Steve? Nice video. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so confused. Um, this is can Michigan V Ball make a deep run in the tourney this year? I'm just gonna say yes. I mean, sure they can. They have talent, and they have question marks, just like every other team. So um, they have a veteran team, and they have livers and fronds. So simply put, yes, they can make a, a deep run. Uh, Justin?
1: Um, Yeah. I'm not I, saying
0: they're going to, but the question is can they?
1: Yeah, I mean, they can. I mean, you know, it's impossible to say. Uh, but, I mean – they can. Hypothetically, yes, sure they can. They, uh, Ryan they, agreed. They're talented, yeah. old enough, they can do it. Sure, Steve. Oh, sorry. Can you re- repeat the
0: question? <laughs> can Michigan yeah. basketball make a deep run in the tournament this year?
3: Um, well, I don't think it'd be wise to count
2: on Howard. He can't do it for five, for five stars anymore, so he can't do it for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> you see, but the thing is, is that the argument against. I think that you need to have like. To to win the tournament, I think that you need to have this, like, mixture of old and new. And I think that Michigan kind of has that this year, where they have a bunch of veteran guys, and then they have some people off the bench that are a little bit newer, like Dickinson. Except for Dickinson's going to be starting. So, like, Jackson, Williams, they're going to have Nunez, who's, like, a junior, t- I believe. TikTok God Nunez. Yeah, I think that they're going to have, like, this... I think they're going to have this good mixture of experience and just just pure talent on the roster this year.
0: There is
2: like-
0: um there's one thing that um is going to hold Michigan that could hold Michigan back, I should say. Um and that's guard play. You you got to have elite guard play typically to make a deep run in March and whether Mike Smith, Brown, and Eli Brooks are going to be good enough, I don't know. I know that they have good enough wings by far. They're going to have really good wings and it's just going to, and I think the center position by March is going to be fine too. So can they get good guard play? If the answer is yes, then, then yes, they can make a deep run. Um, That's actually it for questions, but I wanted to go on. I wanted to talk about Matt Campbell for one more second. I haven't mentioned him and I know we did a 30 minute pod on him the other day, me and Justin did, but I want to talk about Matt Campbell. Um, Me and Justin are on a mission right now, Um, trying to prove that Matt Campbell would be a good hire, and Michigan fans are not having it. A lot of Michigan fans are not having it, I should say. Um, I saw this great video today. Um, It was Bowling Green's coach, uh, Scott Leffler. I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with Bowling Green. Um, They're like the worst football team in the country, and... Scott Leffler is a really good coach, and he basically gave this really passionate kind of answer in a a Zoom press conference today, and his point was pretty simple, and his point was there are a lot of, like, coaching frauds. Coaches who take a job um, kind of manipulate success. Maybe they take a bunch of transfers, or maybe they take a bunch of JUCO players, and they kind of manipulate success for two years, and then they take a better job. Um, and the, and his, his point was, he's not doing that at Bowling Green. He's building the program the right way. And he knows it's going to take a couple of years because the program was in shambles when he got there. And I just want to, and, and I, I was, I was listening to him answer this question and it reminded me of Matt Campbell so much. He's never like manipulated success, um, at any job he's ever had. And I, I think, um, I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that Matt Campbell has been extremely loyal at both at Toledo and at Iowa State, and he's built the program the right way. Um, Justin pointed out the S&P rankings, I believe, how he's, you know, constantly risen up year after year after year. That's that shows like like elite building of a program right there that's not manipulating it that's not taking a bunch of good juco players and having one or two good years and then moving on like I don't know that was really my only point that I wanted to make was that I think if you really dive deep you see how authentically good Matt Campbell is and there are a lot of fraudulent coaches that just don't do it the right way and Matt Campbell is not one of those guys so I just wanted to throw that in there Um, right now you
1: know I used to I'm, like, of that mindset there are a lot of frauds and coaches in college football, and I used to think that of Matt Campbell, and that's why, you know, like, I disagreed with Max so much over the last, like, year and change. But then, you know, when I really, like, dove into the research, like, that's when I realized, like, that is not the case.
0: Yeah, no, like, he is – he knows how to build a program and do it the right way. And it's it's not hard to see, you know, a program just build like, it's not hard to see. Just look at the rankings. Look at the wins. Look at where you go, you know, three and nine to now has a chance to win the, um, you know, win the Big Ten or Big 12. Like, that just that, over the course of four or five years, that takes some serious program rebuilding. Especially um, Purdue of the Big 12. Exactly. Yeah. And I almost think like Brady Hoke. Uh, Maybe he was one of those. I'm not sure if he was a fraudulent coach or just if he wasn't good enough to be the coach at Michigan. But you saw a program decline year after year after year. And that's one of the things that Scott Leffler said in this press conference. He said when a coach takes a job and wins right away, it's not because they're doing something right. It's because they were normally left with a really good situation or a decent situation. It, it, they said, if, you know, if a pro, if a bad program hires a coach and he wins right away, chances are that's not sustainable. So I just feel like I don't know if I've brainwashed myself into obsessing over Matt Campbell or if the, the facts just continue to, you know, come out about him. And I just wish. Again, if you're listening to this, please go back and listen to – it's only – it's like 31 minutes. Me and Justin really talked. It was only about Matt Campbell, and it was just um, – we brought you the facts. <laughs> we, we did all the research, and there's a lot of really cool stuff in there that I'm 100% sure that you've never heard about Matt Campbell. So if you have some time, feel free to listen to it. And um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Anybody have anything else to add about anything we talked about? I'm all good. Steve, how was your first experience on the pod? It was great, and I hope I didn't I hope you'll have me back. <laughs> we will have you back anytime, of course. Um, so what we're gonna do here, um I'm gonna give a quick shout out to Lil Dicky, because that's that's the tradition. I'm gonna give a shout out to Rye Guy on Twitter. Um shout out Rye Guy, Wolverine Season One. Um, college basketball's new hot insider. So <laughs> He broke the news on Shawnee Brown. He did break the news on Shawnee Brown and he just had and he just like crossed eight hundred followers or something like that. So and no one helped him to get there either. No, he did that completely on his own. There was definitely not a shout-out involved um, for from of us, that's for sure. Um so shout out Rai Guy, you're killing it. Keep up the great content. If if you didn't break the news on Shawnee Brown, nobody would have. So um yeah, so once again, shout out to Lil Dicky. And I'm actually about to send you out with a little Dickie song, so enjoy that. Peace out, everyone. Go blue. blue
4: Ooh. Oh. I woke up, Chris Breezy. Oh my God, I'm the man. I'm so fly and I can dance. There's tattoos on my neck. I just FaceTime Kanye. <laughs> Told him I'm his biggest friend, yeah. yeah. Got all these hoes in my DM. Yeah, I do. Hold up. Holy shit, I got a kid. Oh. Oh, oh, oh I can sing so well. Wonder if I can see the N-word Wait, can I really sit the N-word? What up my nigga? What up my nigga? Big ups, my nigga. We are my nigga. You pussy ass nigga. Man fuck y'all niggas. Cause I'm that nigga, 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 nigga. nigga. I'm that nigga. Oh. I woke up being Chris Brown. Turn into Freaky Friday, but we got no choice but to turn this bitch sideways. I can't believe that it's Freaky Friday. It's Freaky Friday. I'm in Chris Brown body. I drive is for Ferrari, and I'm like skin black. What the fuck? I woke up and I'm little dicky. Lil' dicky. Hell, dicky. <sighs> what the fuck? This shit is real weak But we got no choice but to turn this bitch sideways I can't believe that it's Freaky Friday It's Freaky Friday I'm in Chris Brown's body I look at my soft dick with the light It's my dream if I was little diggy in my body, where would I be? I'm trying to find myself like an introspective monk. I'm balling on the court, oh my god, I can dunk. Ah. Snap a flick of my junk. My dick is trending on Twitter? Fuck. Uh. Now I'm at the club, I talk my way to getting in. Hey. I look up in the VIP, my goodness, there I am. Hey. I signal no to, will let me in, but he won't let me in. I don't know who that is. Wait, who the fuck you think he is? Hey. Took a glass bottle, shatter it on the bouncer's head. Ooh. Welcome to that motherfucker. Wait, thank you, through, boy, I If you heard me, then you only heard it yourself. But wait, I love myself. That was the key, now we switch it back. I woke up in Chris Brown's Brown's body. So how this shit turned into Freaky Freaky Friday? Friday. But we got no choice but to turn this bitch sideways. I I can't believe that it's Freaky Friday. Wait, what the fuck? And now I'm in Ed Sheeran's body. It's way less cool than being Chris Brown. Charlie, why am I yelling? Uh, I'm Candle Jenner. I got a vagina. I'm gonna explore that right now. Woo, 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 woo. Holy shit, I got a vagina. Uh, uh, I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna. Understand.